Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. Welcome to the Side Action, episode 16 of season four. My name is Jim Wellers, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and on Instagram. And this is Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the Side Action at uh, Side Action Pod on Twitter. Just so everybody knows, you can hear my voice is trash. So I'm going to let the Action lead the action today because I'm going to try to rest the voice just a little, even though I'm going to the bar later. <laughs> yeah, well, we as we talked about earlier, this uh, has been probably the wildest week in terms of news on the NFL front. I lost count of how many players are now on the COVID list, so I think our NFL brethren are going to have to be flexible about who's playing what position, and I'm happy to step in and play quarterback tonight for side action. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I mean, it's not stopping me from working and talking and doing whatever, but... You know, got to lean on my brother. Lean on my brother. Yeah, that's right. So we'll start off with the reca- weekend recap. I don't know that America needs much of a recap from you. It sounds like you've been partying for five days straight. So <laughs> we'll probably hear, we'll hear about it next week. How about that? <laughs> well, I do want to pump up the um, our favorite place, Four Shadows in Chicago. I, I went to the staff appreciation party last night, which was pretty cool if you saw it in action. Um, all the proceeds went to the, the bartenders and servers uh, for their bonus for, for Christmas, which I thought was really cool. I've never been to the party. And we had, I was like, it's Wednesday night. I was kind of like trying to get some people to go. I don't think people are going to show up. The place was packed. Um, they had a raffle. The kids, uh, you know, Rob, the owner, has twin kids that are five years old. They, they were reading off raffle tickets. And huh. it was a really fun time. So, yes, that was part of my, my voice screen. But, um Overall, yes, I've been having too much fun. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I missed the Four Shadows party. That sounds like a great time. And uh, definitely miss those guys in the bar for Colts games. I'm sure are great this year. Yeah, for sure. What about- on our end, we uh, we went downtown to the D on Saturday, did a little shopping, and checked out some of the sites around. As you can imagine, the city is all lit up with Christmas decorations and ornamentation and whatnot. And uh, Went to a couple of bars and then popped into the Barstool Sportsbook to watch some Saturday night football. We saw a little Army-Navy and then a few of the basketball games that were going on and had a bite to eat. So it was cool to check out the Barstool book and all the things they've got going on down there. That's awesome. That's a great. Yeah, those guys are really kicking kicking ass. I really like what they're doing. And um, I wish we kind of got in early on that. Maybe we could be host for those guys or something. But <laughs> Yeah. Something to aspire to, maybe. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, we can jump into the recap of week 14. And I think you and I nailed this last week when we said that it's going to be a swing back for the favorites. And sure enough, 11 and 3 against the spread last week in week 14. And the the road dogs on the flip side only ended up against the spread 3 and 7. So uh, definitely a turn of the tables from what we've been seeing all season long where those favorites really got to the window with high high mark. Yeah, it was kind of incredible as I was tracking it. Unfortunately, with our picks, you know, we picked one that didn't come in, but then more importantly, we picked the, you know, friggin' Cleveland could, couldn't hold a big lead. But 
beyond that, it was, you know, it, the last two weeks actually action had been like this. Um, I heard some stat that it's been a major correction, like a 70% to 30% correction over the last two weeks. So the pendulum swinging back to almost 50, 50, it, it, dogs are still ruling the day, but maybe at 52, 53%. So something we got to keep in mind going forward. Yeah, definitely true. We'll see what happens this week. Perhaps the pendulum swims back and we see dogs really get to the window. Right. So, and, uh, Similarly, on the total side, you saw that the unders actually took a serious dip and the overs cashed at a high mark, 10-3-1, that games went over the total this past week. And I think some of that has to do with the lower average totals. I think we touched on it. 45 was your average last week, which is lower than the yearly average mark. And some of that has to do with just high scoring. You saw a couple of blowouts. Kansas City put up a big number themselves. Seattle got to 33 and Denver scored 38 points against the Lions. And I guess it's not traditionally, and you can speak more to this, that, you know, typically speaking, when you, a correlated, you know, situation is usually favorites and overs and, you know, underdogs and unders. So it is kind of, this is the typical, like, I mean, the test case. And that just means the the books got crushed this weekend, (laughs) big time, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I heard some media reports that it was probably one of the worst NFL weekends that they've had in their history, given the higher handle nowadays and combine that with all the favorites in the overs last week. Those are public picks for sure. And uh, moving on to here, the row team split an even seven and seven, nothing really there to report. And uh, you've touched on it week after week. And again, only one game last week that was affected by the spread. Unfortunately, we got beat with that one. It was the Cleveland Browns that failed to cover the two and a half for most of you and three for us in the contest. Yeah, yeah, they were they were the right side sort of, except they couldn't cut they couldn't stop Huntley, you know, the backup quarterback. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, it's funny you bring that up. I guess we can we well, we can touch on it in the next couple of uh, segments here. But uh, going on to the highs, the the Chiefs, I think. This was one of our picks, and uh, sorry that our proxy, Dave, was so down at the dumps, but it sounds like he got a lot of chores done around the house on sat- Sunday afternoon yeah. because Kansas City just dominated them. It started with the Raiders stomping on the logo pregame, and I think that set off the Chiefs and led them to a serious victory. I mean, even even uh, Josh Gordon got a touchdown in this game. That's how bad it was. <laughs> Um, yeah, our proxy was sad, but I'll tell you, and this is a side note, um, that I mentioned this last week on the podcast that, that Dempsey's talking about doing the contest and using our proxy. Did I mention that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got, he's got in one hand, he's happy and the other hand, he's sad, but, um, no, the Chiefs are playing great and, and they've scored so many points against the Raiders in two, you know, two, two meetings this year. So, and that really helps their point differential. Yeah, definitely. Uh, those are really the two highest scoring games that they have on their game log. And again, though, I think it must be said that the defense showed up once again, only allowing nine points to that Raiders outfit is another tick mark in the positive side for that unit. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Well, they're playing tonight, so it won't be on our card, but yeah. we talk about it a little bit. Yeah, the next one is Dallas Cowboys. That defensive line just got after Heineke in the first half. Five sacks and Micah Parsons, presumably defensive rookie of the year with just a phenomenal game again. And they forced the Washington football team into four turnovers. So you mentioned this. I give you a lot of credit. We didn't make this pick um, because I think I was on Washington initially. 
you know, you said there's the first time they're going to be healthy on that defensive line, and they really showed it because it allowed Parsons to kind of run free <laughs> instead of having to play all over the field. So, um, I mean, do you think this is something to look forward, you know, going forward that this defense is actually could be legit? Yeah, I do. I mean, Randy Gregory came back that tipped interception, spinning, twirling interception that he made play he made in the first half was phenomenal. And then uh, Demarcus Lawrence on the other side, who's mm-hmm. back on the defensive line, and that just frees Micah Parsons to do more damage than he's already done this year. Yeah. And I've read that he's scoring these sacks from what amounts to be a linebacker position, which is just like unheard of in the league. And it's pretty clear that his best attribute is rushing the pattern. And on top of that, their secondary is playing well, too. Um, number one against the pass, the Dallas Cowboys defense. So I think they're legit to answer your question. Yeah, I heard a stat, and I'm going to misquote the numbers, but the idea is that typically linebackers, I he's a linebacker, their pressure rate or whatever when they blitz is only like 15% or something like that, and he's almost at 50%. I mean, he's like 45% or something. So he just gets home. He's really fast, and he's got instincts, and he's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, the, I like the next entry here. We've got the tale of two halves in the Bucks bills game. The Bucks in the first half came mm. out barnstorming and looked like the Super Bowl champs that they are, up to a 24-3 to lead at the halftime and just dominated Buffalo in every facet of the game. Okay. I don't know how you felt, but I was feeling good about our pick at that point in the game. I was too. I, I was like kind of shocked. You know, I'm like – I knew that the Bucks were going to play well at home. They, they've covered it at home all year, but they looked incredible, and they made the Bills look small and slow. They couldn't cover anything, but I'll wait for your next point. Halftime. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, McDermott had a good halftime speech because the Bills came out and just wow. totally flipped the game on its head in the second half. Josh Allen had 300-plus passing yards and 100 rushing yards in the game. And they scored a 24 to three in the second half to force overtime. Yeah, crazy, crazy game. And at that point, you and I were certainly sweating our Buccaneers minus three and a half ticket. That three and a half was was a miracle, to be honest with you. Because first of all, I mean, Josh Allen was out of bounds, but mm-hmm. on that final drive, he almost ran that ball in down the sideline, and that would have basically made them win the game or at least cover for sure. And then. I mean, they got the ball in overtime, too. And then finally, the Bucks got a stop. They were gassed. You know, they were gassed. But Tom Brady, he hit whatever his name, Bashad Perriman, across the middle for that big, or, you know, that crosser that got the big touchdown and got home. And we were, we were jumping up and down. Uh, the side action was getting pretty excited after that one. But what an incredible game. It, was, it, it kind of felt like a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, it was an incredible game. I certainly let out a blood curdling scream in our house celebrating that win and the touchdown and at that point we were feeling really good about our week despite the browns collapse and right. uh we can touch on that in the next segment the lows the cleveland secondary oh. who got lit up by tyler huntley and after coming in for lamar, an injured lamar jackson i felt like we were looking good the browns Oops. were up big at halftime and then Tyler Huntley came in and really just dropped back and threw for 270 yards on that Cleveland secondary. One yeah. touchdown, and they ended up blowing the cover for us. Well, and I don't know if you watched the game, actually, because I, I wasn't watching the game because they were playing Cleveland. I'm sorry, like Kansas City. And then they switched late, which was good to watch it. Huntley had 
um, Hollywood Brown, he just oh, yeah. overthrew them, and they would have won the game. They they were, yeah. I mean, the Browns could not stop this team. And then the other thing that happened that we don't mention in the write up, they got the onside kick. Mm. They had the ball. I mean, they could have still you know won the game, but so I don't know. You had mentioned maybe maybe uh, Lamar Jackson because he doesn't throw the ball downfield as much. You know, maybe they just weren't ready for Huntley, but I don't know what happened, but that secondary stunk. Yeah, I feel like that has to be a part of this equation because, I mean, Lamar Jackson, before he left the game, was 4-for-4, four four, but only 17 yards. So right. I feel like Cleveland was stacking the box a little bit and keeping the Ravens in a small window there. And then when Huntley came in the game, I mean, he threw the ball 38 times, and surely the Browns' secondary wasn't ready for that game plan. And I still believe at this moment that if Jackson had not gotten hurt in that game, the Browns would have easily covered and we would have had a four in one week. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. It's okay. (laughs) The Jaguars, (laughs) Urban Meyer. I think you put this note in here before the news in the last 24 hours, but very prescient of you. Terrible leadership clearly and tactics (laughs) are starting to lead to a team who clearly was not interested in playing for him. And, Last week, they had no chance. of. They could have played 10 quarters and not scored against Tennessee in the 20-0 to loss. Right. Well, we all know now that Urban Meyer got fired at 1 a.m., I think, Eastern time last night or this morning. And Shad Khan didn't want to make it a big deal in front of everybody, but everybody knew it was going to happen at some point. Um, you know, he, he said, he, you know, you've ever heard the stories where he's calling his assistant coaches losers, but I'm a winner. and <laughs> You can't make this shit up. And then... The fact that he won't start or won't play James Robinson. And I don't know if you heard the report that he was talking about some center on the team. And they're like, what about, you know, I thought you were going to get him more reps. And he said, yeah, we, we got him more reps. He played zero snaps. Uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, he's obviously checked out. Maybe he's already got a job in college lined up. Who knows? Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Urban Myers. Talk about a fall from grace. Did you hear the report today about how he kicked Josh Lambeau in the preseason? <laughs> kicked the kicker. <laughs> Just every every single story that comes out is just totally mind-blowing and it's clear that that was a bad hire from the get-go and uh it must be said though we talked about this earlier in the year when gruden got the boot that uh teams in the nfl typically look to play better after their uh tumultuous coach is let go and now you've seen the move line the line move already the Jaguars are now five and a half from three, and apparently it's evident that Urban Meyer is worth negative two point five to the spread. <laughs> Obviously. Good call actually. All right. Well, moving on to Cam Newton. I think I added this one. He yeah. is uh clearly not an NFL quarterback right now. He, uh, not too bad of a line, though, 15 of 23, 178 yards and one interception. But then he found himself on the bench for the second straight game in lieu of P.J. Walker, and the Falcons got to the window at, with a 20, 29-21 victory. Yeah, this was one of our picks that we backed off on um, for the Falcons. I think that's right. But, yeah. you know, P.J. actually threw a touchdown pass. So I was like, I was trying to follow the game on my phone, and it's like, wait, Walker threw a touchdown? What? Um but yeah, the Falcons are one of these weird teams that, you know, they're, they're beating you know bad opponents. We'll see if they how they do in San Francisco. But you know, for Newton, I don't know if it's the end of the road for him. But uh, he certainly, he, I didn't think he was going to hit hit it, you know, hit the ground running. It'd be great, but getting benched for PJ Walker, that's a big step down for the, the former MVP. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, it sounds like I was reading just before this that Cam Newton is in line to start again this week, but that Matt Rule is open to a quarterback timeshare, which sounds like a horrific <laughs> idea. <laughs> it's like a high school team. Though. Bring them in for running plays, bring them in for passing plays. Nobody figures that out. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right, moving on to the key injuries and, and the COVID update segment here. I think you put this number in here a couple of nights ago when there was 37 COVID positives across the league. And now I've lost count. I think the number is in the triple digits and presumably yeah. going to continue rising over the next several days. And it's just uh, something that we're going to have to monitor throughout the next couple of days. And I think really probably wait until the last minute to put picks in on Saturday. I know. And it's a tough, we'll talk about this later, but it's a tough week because you've got tonight's game. And then you've got two Saturday games, mm-hmm. which one of them we're not going to be able to put in on unless we go early. So, if we want to wait, that basically rules out two games already. I'm assuming we could still probably put in for the New England Colts game if we wanted to. But yeah, yeah, it's it's been nuts, and you know, there's been new. I don't well, you put her here on the Browns. Apparently, there was some random testing done for Cleveland, and um, so now you've got, you know, obviously Mayfield and Keenum out, so you've got Nick Mullins. So we, I don't understand the protocols right now. It's hard to figure out. So we'll just have to let it sit out. Yeah, me neither. I do know, though, that for players that are vaccinated, as yep. long as they can get two consecutive tests prior to the game that are negative, they can return to play immediately. So right. um, this game being on Saturday, you know, it's, I think it's been reported that Mayfield, for example, is vaccinated. So if he were to test negative today, Thursday, and then Friday, he could play on Saturday. Gotcha. So there you is wanna... a potential. Say that again. Do you want him to play? Oh, well, uh, we could talk about that when we get to the handicap, but I was thinking the same thing when it was going to be Keenum. I like the Browns even more now because Baker has been so terrible and he can't throw the ball with any accuracy. He's clearly hurt. And Keenum was good in the one start against Denver. But now it's Nick Mullins, and I'm I'm softening on that position a little bit. I'll just hand the ball off more. And that work. But yeah. uh... Anyway, so the three big teams uh, for the listeners that have the majority of the cases are the Cleveland Browns, the L.A. Rams, 14 players as of yesterday, and the Washington football team that I heard this afternoon is up to 28 players. So the other facet of these uh, issues that we'll have to talk about is that there's a minimum number of players to actually kick off the game according to the NFL protocols. And much like last year, if any of these games get postponed beyond Monday night or Tuesday, then it counts as a loss for the contest. So Mm -hmm. we may just have to steer clear of all three of these games. Good call. Good call. I didn't hear that, but that's that's true. It makes sense. If you only have 28 players, I mean, Mm -hmm. you only dress 45, right? Right. I mean, (laughs) they're going both ways. This is Ironman football. Yeah. So beyond that, we do have a few real injuries. Lamar Jackson is still questionable with his ankle injury, and I'm reading that he's going to be a game-time decision. Uh, News broke late yesterday that DeAndre Hopkins has an MCL injury, which will require surgery, and he's out for six weeks, which takes him out for the rest of the regular season and some of the playoffs. Yes. Tyler Taylor Heineke has a knee injury. The MRI was negative, but he plans to give it a go. And uh, it's worth noting that the backup for the Washington team, Kyle Allen, is on the COVID list. So it could be potential issues there for Washington. And then uh, Josh Allen, our Buffalo Bills QB, is day-to-day with a foot sprain. He's obviously key to that Buffalo Bills offense. 
I mean, he played through it on Sunday. You saw it. He still played really well, but usually that's adrenaline and maybe a shot at halftime. So um, it's hard. It's the second week on that. Yeah, I, I fully expect he's going to play, but it definitely brings into the question of the Buffalo team laying a big number this week because this mm-hmm. is a team that has ported on, especially against inferior opponents, but they mm-hmm. might not have the same willingness to do so with an injured quarterback. And do you know who the backup is in, in Buffalo? Oh, your boy, Trubisky. <laughs> That's right. Mitchell Trubinsky at Trubisky. So maybe he played well against the Bears in, in the preseason, so who knows? True. All right, we'll move on to the power ratings update for the WEGS index, and I'll let you present this to the listeners. All right, well, it hasn't been that much of a change, actually, but I was wanting, like, before the game on Monday night when the Cardinals played, um, when they play the Rams, right, the Cardinals were ahead of the Bills. So it was finally, Bills were dethroned, but, you know, that changed quickly. They're very close, but uh, Bills are still one, even though they're down to seven and six. Cardinals, Patriots, three, not a surprise. Bucks up to four. Your Colts five, Cowboys, Packers, and Rams. I will tell you, the Chiefs are a ten. They are climbing with a bullet. Wow, I'm surprised to see that you have the Colts up so high this week. It seems like they've vaunted into the top five here, and yep. uh, you know the top three, four, really the same, along with the Cowboys. I think you know just on paper, it seems to me that the Cowboys should probably be higher than they are. But I know this is a statistics-driven index. And uh, there's probably good reason for it. That's right. It doesn't look like the Colts are in your top seven for DVOA, which a little surprising. But, uh, you know, I don't know how much they factor in turnovers. Colts force a lot of turnovers. Um, and uh, the Chiefs do, too, actually. The, the, of late, they forced, like, whatever, they're, like, plus 16 or something in margin lately or something like that. So Yeah. Yeah, they did a special on Hard Knocks for Maniac, Darius Leonard, and his ability to punch the ball out. I think he's got at least three or four forced fumbles this season. And uh, you're right, they have been very opportunistic in uh, creating turnovers on that side of the ball. Yeah, I see so, your Chiefs are seven. That's good. That's, that's Yeah, Chiefs, Chiefs on DVOA up to the seven. Cardinals dropped down to six this week. Rams mm-hmm. at five, Bills four, and uh, Cowboys, Patriots, and Bucks are all in the top three. So not a ton of movement on DVOA. I think the the Bills and the, the Cardinals and Rams switched spots a little bit this week. But um, throughout the season, it's pretty much been the same teams in, on both of these indexes. And I think it's pretty clear about where the Super Bowl contenders are. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you right there. Well, we can move along to the NFL Week 15 lines portion of the show. We'll start out here just touching base on the Thursday night game. You've got Kansas City going on the road to L.A. Chargers this time around. And in the contest, the Chiefs are laying three points, and the total current total is at 52, which seems a little bit high on the surface. What do you think, Wex? Well, first of all, we got our ambulance. You know, we're here at the uh, Edgewater studio. You always, you're always comfort, comforted by the ambulances that pass by. Um, I do think the total's too high. Uh, the, the Chiefs have been an under team except for last week. The two Raiders games would be the exceptions. So even though you've got two incredible quarterbacks, I mean, this is how great is it that you've got two of the best quarterbacks in the division? It's going to be like this for four or five more years probably. Um, I like the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs tonight. I know it's minus three. I heard the books need the Chiefs. I heard there's a lot of money on the Chargers, which is a little surprising, but um, – the Chargers played great last week against Cincinnati, uh, but still, it was, that's, that was last week, right? Yep. 
Oh, no, no, no. Uh, the, they the Chiefs. The Giants last week. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry about the Giants last week, but they destroyed the Giants. So they're coming in hot with 2-0, but I still like the Chiefs and the under of this one. Looks like there's some money coming in on the total. The total's now up to 54, 54 and a half in some books here as I'm looking at the odd screen. That's and awesome. the Chiefs are painted at a pretty solid three, heavy juice on the three. But I agree. I think the Chiefs are the side in this one. Initially, I really loved them when I saw that the Chargers tackle Rashawn Slater is going to be out tonight with COVID. And okay. then the next day, the Chiefs defensive end, Chris Jones, also has COVID. So they kind of offset each other there. But I do think that the Chiefs are going to get their revenge tonight in L.A. Yeah, and I, I like the Chiefs. We've been talking about this for weeks. They started running the ball more. They look better. Uh, all three running backs played really well against the Raiders, and yep. the Chargers aren't good against the run, although they a couple weeks ago did play good against you know Mixon. But you know we'll see. That's <clears> true. <throat> yeah, I do think that uh, especially Derek Gord finally getting some run, they'll be able to really run the ball against the Chargers like every other team does. Right. Okay, well, moving on to the Saturday card. Two Saturday games this week. The first one is going to be severely impacted by COVID. We have the Raiders going on the road to Cleveland. And the Raiders now, Wags, have been listed as a one-point favorite for the contest. I think this may have been prior to the Case Keenum news because I'm now looking at the board and a lot of books are reopening at Raiders minus three or three and a half. So some potential value there based on the context numbers versus the current market. Yeah, it's um, – I guess that's the way to go. But, again, you got to get this pick in early. Right. Yeah, hour and a half. It's 4:30 yeah. kickoff, and the deadline is 6 p.m. here in the Eastern Time Zone. Yeah, I'd be happy to stay away. I, I just don't know the Raiders. They've given up a lot of points to everybody lately, right? Um, mm-hmm. Even with Nick Mullins in there, I gotta imagine they're just gonna run the ball at Vegas. And um, I mean, Cleveland still needs to win this game, right? I mean, they won last week, so. You're saying there's value with the Raiders, right? Because of the COVID stuff. Well, I'm just talking, but I'm talking against the market. Don't get me wrong. I I personally would not want to touch the Raiders with a 10 foot pole right now because I think this is a team that's given up on the season. Yes. And uh, that loss last week at Kansas City was supremely demoralizing, and now mm-hmm. they have to travel back to Las Vegas and then back to Cleveland. It's a lot of travel, and I. They still don't have Darren Waller either, which I think is probably bigger than many of the names that Cleveland's going to be missing on their side of the ball. So yeah. while I was very pumped about Case Keenum starting the game, I don't think that I can get behind Nick Mullins, even though he's a gunslinger and I have no doubt he's going to be able to pass the ball. Chubb's still out there, so they certainly have the run game going. But uh, playing one in the contest is tough. I, my personal angle on this with a low total, 38 and a half, is to take the Browns on a teaser. Four and a, you can find a four and a half and get them up through the 10. I mean, I, I think that's a really strong teaser leg. No, I like that. I like that quite a bit. Good call. All right. We'll move on from that one. Probably a pass. And yeah. the night game, it's going to be at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, and they're going to be hosting the New England Patriots. The Colts are listed as a two-point favorite. And right now it looks like the total is 46, up a little bit from the opener. Any thoughts on this one initially, Wex? You know, it's right on the number where it should be for in terms of the index, so it's not like it's major value. I do think that, and again, you know, I've been wrong many times with the Patriots this year, uh, but 
I do think this is a bad matchup for them. I don't know if that's true. You probably disagree, but I think the Colts' offensive line can can big boy these guys a little bit. Now, granted, they're gonna they're gonna stop the run and make Wentz beat you. That's what they're gonna do, yeah. right? But I do think that the Colts' defense is better uh, than than advertised. They've they've really improved their metrics, and I think this game. I think Jones is going to have to beat him, and I don't think he's going to do it. So I, I like the Colts in the game. Yeah, I think you took the words right out of my mouth. I think I was going to say all those things. Mm-hmm. New England has been very dominant in this series. They've won eight in a row going back to 2010 and five and three against the number against the Colts in those same games. And they've now covered seven straight. But when you dig into it a little bit more, their strength of schedule hasn't been all that great. I mean, they to beat the Chargers in L.A., that was a good win at the time. Mm-hmm. The Cleveland Browns at home, and then the Buffalo game, which I think was aided by the weather. We yes. touched on that enough last week. But uh, these two teams are really identical in terms of their makeup and how they like to play, both yes. strong running games and both good at stopping the run. But I'm with you. I think that Indianapolis has a superior defense. Um, they allow five point, um, excuse me, and and rush offense five point one yards per rush for Indianapolis and only four point two for New England. And I think both game plans are going to be for the opposing quarterback to try and beat them. And I'll take Wentz over Mac Jones currently. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, uh, I mean, we could still make it in the contest. So I, I definitely put, it's not like we're agreeing on that one, but. Yeah, agreed. You'll probably revisit if we have to. I, and I think the crowd, you know, not, we've touched enough about how home field advantage has been diminished, but I think that uh, in the current state, Saturday night in Indianapolis against this opponent, yeah. You're going to get a little bit more of a home field advantage out of Indianapolis than you would on any normal week. Are you making the trip down? No, I'm not. We've got a couple of friends coming in town for the Cardinals game, but uh, the family is all going to be in attendance for sure. Nice, nice. All right, moving on to Sunday, the 1 o'clock slate. We'll start off with another COVID game here. We've got Washington football team going on the road to Philadelphia. And with the news of all the COVID outbreak this line has been steadily climbing all week i think opened well it says two and a half here but i think in reality it was five or six and has moved through seven and up to nine now for the eagles as heavy favorites well well, i'm happy to stay away (laughs) for the covid angle you know i like washington in general and it's too bad that heineke kind of got banged up because you know they really as much as dallas looked great that was another tale of really three quarters um Washington made a play in that game. They really came back, and they stormed back, and they, I mean, the FedEx field or whatever it's called was rocking at the end. They had a chance to get not just in the number to kind of maybe steal that game or force overtime. So I do like Washington in general, but, man, all those COVID, I mean, their whole defensive line, I mean, it's just you can't do it. So it's a big number, though. God, I would never lay it with the Eagles. Yeah, especially with Jalen Hurts playing quarterback. Yeah. Do recall, though, in their last game, it was Gardner Minshew that led the offense for the Eagles, which I think gives them a little bit more dynamism in their attack. Mm-hmm. However, uh, it seems like that Jalen Hurts is going to play quarterback again, and I would have no interest at all in laying points with a Jalen Hurts, that many points, rather, with a Jalen Hurts-led attack. So. Nope. I'm with you. I think it's a pass, but I would be intrigued if for some reason we got wind that Gardner Minshew is going to be playing more quarterback. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Moving on to the next game in the afternoon slate, we've got the Carolina Panthers going on the road to Buffalo. 
where the home team is instilled as a 10.5-point favorite, another big number for the Bills here. So if you, in this one, if Allen wasn't playing or he was, you know, game-time decision, I mean, I don't love Carolina, but that's a lot of points to lay, right? Yeah, definitely. I think the line, though, tells us that Josh Allen's going to be playing. Yeah. Certainly haven't seen any movement on this, and I haven't read anything that suggests he's not going to play. He's been a warrior in his short career. So I do think that it tells us that he's going to be in there. But like I mentioned earlier, just given the the need to cover two scores here, you have to wonder if the Bills' offense is going to be pressing for the end zone in late-game situations like they have normally against these inferior opponents. Mm, Hard to say. Buffalo absolutely needs this win, though, too. Um, mm-hmm. they've, been, they've been kind of skidding, and, and they're actually, percentage-wise, I don't know if you watched the Sunday Night Football cast. They got the guy who does all the election oh, yeah, yeah. percentages. And Buffalo's in, in kind of danger of missing the playoffs here. Uh, so, I don't know. It's a little bit of a letdown game. They've had two big games for Buffalo back-to-back, but this one they got to win. I'm happy to stay away action. I, I think Buffalo actually is going to come to the number, but 10 and a half is a really tough point, tough uh, total. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are at home in Orchard Park and uh, they have shown a propensity to cover against really crappy teams. So I, if it's okay with you, I think we should consider it as an option given okay. the presumably short card that we're going to have and maybe yet color yellow. We'll come back to it if we need to. And it probably will not be a highly picked game. So we've been talking about game theory a little bit. That's a true. Yep. Okay. The next one, I know you like this one. We've got the crappy New York Jets going on the road to Miami Dolphins. And the Dolphins themselves are laying a big number this week nine and a half points home favorites. Yeah. I mean, I liked it better when with the opener at seven or whatever it was. I mean, I had my numbers like six or seven as well. Um, but the Finns are playing really good football, and yes, it's a divisional rival. But the Jets have been kind of a, you know, kind of kind of the nail in this matchup, right? They usually get crushed. So it's a big number for the Dolphins, though. I don't know about nine, what nine and a half. You think that's too much? Well, I did initially, and uh, was looking back at the box scores, and they've actually been winning games by this margin recently. A couple of uh, big wins recently on the schedule um just pulling it up here they won by 11 against the jet the giants they beat carolina by 23 and then baltimore by 12 on that thursday night game so they've been scoring some points lately and we have talked about how tua has been picking up his play but i diving into the covid list on this team they've got some some missing pieces on that offense all three running backs are on the covid list gaskin Lindsay, and sylvan ahmed and then Jalen Waddle hit the COVID list, and that kind of soured my intent on this game. Yeah, we can pass. I mean, I, I love Waddle. Uh, I've got him on a fantasy lineup, and he's definitely been you know, not the safety blanket. He's been the big play guy for Tua. So let's pass. But um, you know, still, for people out there betting, I mean, I still lean to the Dolphins on that one. Yeah, could be another solid teaser piece, certainly, if you could get sure. nine down to three. Good teaser like for sure. Okay, moving on to an NFC East divisional rival here with the Cowboys going on the road to the New York Giants, and the Cowboys are laying another big number, 10.5 road favorites. Yeah. Um, well, have the Giants given up on the season? I mean, is is uh, 
what do I call him? The giraffe? Is is the he giraffe. starting again? Lennon? The giraffe is playing quarterback for sure. Yeah, it sounds like Daniel Jones has he, a nerve he issue. Abused. He got abused last week. And Dallas traditionally does not play well at the Giants in like a historic fashion. But that defense came to play last week. So they do it this week. I think they're going to cover this number. But, I mean, it's a big number, bro. Dallas did win the first game 44-20 at home. Uh, so they have covered a big number against the Giants already. And I think that Glennon is probably more of a statue than Daniel Jones. Well, not probably, he definitely is. And uh, it's obvious that the Giants offensive line can't protect him. So I think this is a really bad matchup for the Giants. And I'm with you. I, we just talked about how that Cowboys rush defense or um, uh, pass rush has been getting after the quarterback. And I think that they could be in for a long day and have trouble scoring in this game. So... I think I like the Cowboys. Um, what do you think about the potential for this to be a heavy-picked game, laying a big number on the road? Presumably not. Probably not. Um, but Dallas is a public favorite, so it's kind of one of those things that, especially after last week's game, people might be just like us, just salivating over this defense. Um, but, I mean, they're healthy now on both sides of the ball, right? Pollard might even be back this game. He didn't play last week. Uh, he had that plantar fascia sprain or something. So, yeah, I mean, we could definitely consider it. We should kind of think about maybe listen to a little hits of podcast, see if this is on one of the people's short list to, to pick. But, yeah, I'm curious to yeah. check the public betting splits, too, and this one, see where the money's really going. Right, right. Okay, uh, moving on to the Green Bay Packers going on the road. Uh, this one's in the 425 window, kind of out of order here, but – Green Bay going right. on the road to Baltimore, and Green Bay is a big road favorite for this game at minus five and a half on the road in Baltimore. So the theory is that uh, Lamar's game time decision, but do you think with this line, they're thinking he's not going to play? To me, I, I read this as kind of a halfer, uh, you know, mm. probably 50% chance you got Lamar, in which case the line probably should be like three. Or 50% chance you see Brett Hundley, and the number's more like seven. So the books sure. just took a middle shot at it, and uh, we end on five and a half here. It's a really tough game to pick because I just don't know what to expect out of the Ravens. After that divisional loss last week, they're on probably on the outskirts of looking in on the playoffs themselves, and mm. they really need this game against Green Bay, but the Packers have been covering machines this season. And I'm not sure that the Baltimore defense is going to be able to slow them down, given all the secondary injuries. No, I agree. I, I like Green Bay. It's just a big number. Um, yeah, I know they covered home, which we they did against the, the Bears, even though the Bears had a good first half again. Um, but, man, the only thing about the pack, sometimes they come out like duds in the first quarter. You know, they didn't play that great against Cincinnati when they were on the road. But Baltimore's just not as physical as they usually are in past seasons, so I don't know. It's it's a weird number action. I, I was all over it when it was a lower number uh, for the pack, but five and a half, oof, yeah. it's tough. I think this is one that we probably monitor the news reports on Lamar Jackson because if it's a Brett Hundley quarterback, even though they he lit up the Browns last week, I think that uh, you could see some value with the Packers at five and a half if Hundley's a starter. Sure. Sure, makes sense. And I, you know, the the lone remaining uh, Ravens secondary member is now on the COVID list, so they're down to like I don't even know I don't even know who's playing defensive back for the Ravens. 
Well, we were on it last week. You know, Cleveland was dominating them. You know, yeah. it was it wasn't the offense, it was the defense, and then they just took their foot off the gas pedal in that game. And I was very disappointed in that. But you know, the same handicap applies. I mean, Adams alone could get 200 yards in this game, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But, um, okay, well, keep it where you got it. We can talk about it. 91 percent of the tickets on the Packers currently. <laughs> That's usually a bad thing, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, I colored green, bay, green. I didn't mean to do that. Let me fix that. Uh, the next game is a game that I think we both like. We'll have to check here in a minute. But we've got the Tennessee Titans, fresh off their big win against the Houston Texans, going yes. on the road to Pittsburgh. And this is a very curious line. You've got this game listed at a pick in the contest. Mm-hmm. I mean, numerically, this is what I've got it at. I got Titans minus one on the road, so it's not that surprising. The question is, I mean, first of all, we we know the Jags laid an egg, mm-hmm. um, you know, but the Titans played pretty well too. You know, they, their defense has been playing very well. What Steelers team are you going to get? Are you going to get the Steelers of the first half or the second half last week? Um, I mean, this team is the variability on the Steelers is so great, and T.J. Watt is essential to their handicap. Uh, you know, I, I, I think the line's right here in terms of the Titans, but I'm also, they may not score if TJ Watt plays. So is he going to play? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. You know, the, the Steelers looked like dog trash in the first half last week, but then you saw big Ben like flip a switch in the second half and they put up 28 points in the second half. So I think I, I feel like that the this is, and, um, given all the turmoil in the other uh, teams in the division, the Steelers still have a, a real chance at winning this division. So right. you have some motivation there. I see. I think that um, coach Tomlin is going to get them up for this game. I think this is a real motivating spot after the loss last week. And I, you know, I mentioned it last week. I still think that Tennessee is overrated given all mm-hmm. the losses that they've had across the board. They're not the same team that they were earlier in the season. And uh, no. I like Pittsburgh in this game. I think they're going to get the win at home. Okay, straight up pick, huh? Yeah. Mm, tough one. Okay, well, let's put it as yellow. Might be able to talk me into it. Okay. Because, um, I mean, it's the Tomlin factor, but yeah. I mean, where was it last week? Um, <laughs> in the second half, it was there. He obviously ripped – well, it was really – they didn't play good until the fourth quarter. Yeah. They scored tons of in the fourth quarter last sure. week. That's true. I'll tell you, if Henry was playing, it'd be easy because the Pittsburgh can't stop the run anymore. So, but I don't think there's anybody to run the ball in Tennessee right now. Yeah, right. I mean, Hilliard didn't play well last week, and Jeremy McNichols is more of a pass catcher out of the backfield. So. Yeah, and they had uh, what's his name? Um, isn't Dante Foreman on this team? I think that's right. He had a, touch, yeah. he had a, he had a touchdown, but he didn't rush the very well. So. On the other side, do you think that Najee Harris could be able to run the ball effectively against that Titans defense? I don't think it – well, maybe, but he's actually just – he can do anything and catch the ball too. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you got to throw the ball a little bit. And Tennessee's been really good against the pass, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's a low it's a low total. It's a low, you know, tight spreader pick. I mean, it's it's a pick em game, right? It, it's – who knows? But uh, I guess you're right. The Steelers, even if they – you know, good good spot for the Steelers. Yeah, just need to pick the winner. All right, the Urban Meyer game going on here at 1 o'clock. We've got the Houston Texans, who originally were listed as a a three-and-a-half-point underdog in this game at Jacksonville, 
And now with the news of Urban Meyer firing, it's now Jaguars minus five and a half in the contest. Can you get behind the Jags finally, Wex? (laughs) I don't know, man. I I think both teams still stink, but the narrative's there, right? The the narrative is that now all of a sudden Lawrence is going to throw for four touchdowns. They're going to destroy Houston, who, you know, Kelly's a, a lame duck coach, right? They have talked about firing him. Yeah. I'm assuming you're buying the Jags here, but I don't know if I can really personally put a contest pick on the Jags minus five and a half. I just <laughs> No way. <laughs> the thought of laying five and a half points at the Jaguars makes me sick inside, <laughs> to be honest. I, I can't believe that this number moved like this. I, I mean, I was very pumped about betting Houston before the firing, and now I'm certainly lukewarm on it after the move and understanding that they're probably going to get some motivation. But I really don't think this team should be laying points at all. Certainly not five and a half. And you and I traded some texts last week. Davis Mills actually played pretty well in that game. And I think that he's shown some improvement. It's pretty clear that the Houston organization is trying to learn what they have in him. And uh, if I had to pick this game, I would be on the Houston side, but I don't think I would get warm and fuzzy about that either. So Yeah, my stomach's not going to be able to take that, but uh, we'll pass. But right. We'll look from afar for Davis Mills to have a nice game. There you go. Okay, moving on to the hometown team here, the Arizona Car- – house, house divided this week. Yes. The Arizona Cardinals are coming to the D to play against the Detroit Lions, and the Cardinals are listed as a heavy road favorite, minus 12.5. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big number. No DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I'm not sure if Chase Edmonds is going to play. Mm-hmm. Look, here's the question. Arizona is 7-0 and on the road, ATS this year. Do you think this is it, that Detroit's going to make it happen? They got housed last week because of all the flu that was going through their organization. Yeah. But I kind of feel like they're going to play better this week. Me too. I, I like the Detroit side. I think that they got through their sickness last week, and they're presumably going to be on the upswing. And when you look at the motivation on the other side with the Cardinals, they're coming off a short week and a really tough divisional loss against the Rams, and now DeAndre Hopkins is going to be out. And I think that uh, Detroit has some value here, catching 12.5 points. One thing that I didn't get a chance to look into is the status of their running backs. Certainly DeAndre Swift or uh, Williams coming back would be helpful for the Lions. Certainly something to look into. But even without that, I think that the Lions are going to have value here at 12.5. I do too. It's weird to agree on this one and go against the Cardinals that are 7-0 on the road, ATS. Um, Do you have enough stones to put in the contest? Because it's going to be a low-pick game, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I do, yeah. And and I to your first point, I think the seven and O mark that Arizona has on the road here is only a positive thing for the Lions pick because you're gonna see people that are lining up to back the trend, but I think the chances are better than not that the trend fails this week. Yeah, agreed. So Melissa and her friends are going to the game, but I think I'm gonna duck into a sports book and watch it from there. <laughs> Exactly. You don't want to be sitting next to the Arizona fans at the Detroit game. Be cheering for Detroit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the 4 o'clock window now. We've got Atlanta Falcons going on the road to San Francisco, and the Niners are listed, again, another heavy favorite, minus 9.5 as the home team here. Tough one action. Um, 
We know that San Francisco barely covers numbers at home, which is really weird. Uh, but Atlanta is kind of a pretender. They're actually in the mix for the playoffs, but they only beat jumps. So yeah. San Francisco is definitely the team that's on the rise, and I really like them and their prospects going forward. I don't love this number, though. It's a big number. I do think they're going to win this game, but nine and a half is that's that's a stout number. But I mean, I've been talking about the number doesn't matter. Come on, Wags, pick it. Yeah. I do think it, I do think the 49ers are going to win the game. So. Yeah, me too. And I think you're right on that the Atlanta Falcons team have really only beaten up on really crappy opponents this season. Every time they've gone against a good foe, they've failed to cover and spectacularly in some of those games, losing yes. by 32 and a half points to Dallas and 18 against the spread to New England. So I think that San Francisco's offense is uh, trending upwards as well. You've got George Kittle, who's back and clearly healthy, and he is a huge difference maker for them. And Debo Samuel is back on the field last week, too, which was a huge positive. So I think the Niners are primed for a big stomping this week, and I, I would consider putting them on our card. Well, let's put them, let's put them on the card, because I, I don't think they're going to be a highly picked game uh, at that mm-hmm. number. So I'm definitely liking it. It's favorite. Of course, it's good San Francisco win at home, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Okay. All right, moving on to a tricky game in the 4 o'clock window as well. The Cincinnati Bengals are going on the road for a big AFC clash against the Denver Broncos, and the Broncos are listed in this one as the favorite minus 2.5 just under the field goal. Any thoughts on this one? Well, another one of these games that is right at the number uh, for me in terms of my analysis. Uh, You know, are the Broncos – really good i don't know i I, they beat anybody of substance but this Bengals team that i was pumping up a couple weeks ago has really just it's the turnovers dude they don't turn the ball over they they win these last two games even last week they had a great you know san francisco almost blew the lead against them right but i like the Bengals. i think the Bengals are a better football team so I'd take the points with the Bengals, even though the teams are fairly even and they're in mile high and all that stuff. So, Yeah, this one's really tough for me because the look-ahead number was Cincinnati minus three. Mm-hmm. And now just in one week, you've seen the number basically flip almost six points. There's even some heavy juice to the two and a halfs that I'm seeing on the board now with Denver. Yeah. So presumably is turning towards three. And it kind of gives me some hesitation because I wonder what's behind that move. I don't know if the Sharps are thinking that Joe Burrow's finger issue is more problematic than let on. He did uh, he did not look pretty good early on in that game last week. Right. Uh, late, he threw a couple of big touchdown passes to Chase to get them back into the tie game and send it to overtime. <laughs> but um, I wonder if the Denver defense will be able to take advantage of that and on the flip side, uh, Javante Williams has been really trending upwards for the Broncos running game. And I am curious to see if the Broncos will be able to have success against that Cincinnati run defense. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of mysterious. Uh, it's a really good matchup. It's very important in the AFC playoff picture. I just – and here's the thing. I mean, it's a battle of Vic Fangio and Zach Taylor. This is like a – it's not directly, you know, Belichick against whatever. I mean, the, the Reich or something. I mean, this is – who's a better coach? I don't even know. 
Good evening. Yes. Yeah, I, it's just tough because I agree. I think on the surface that it looked like there's a little bit of value on the Bengals, but something tells me that there's pretty serious reason for the move to the Broncos in this game. And uh, that gives me pause and makes me even consider that the Broncos might be the side. Well, what I will tell you, Action, from experience in the you know the contest the last few weeks, I think this is going to be a highly bad game, a highly mm-hmm. big game on both sides. So I'd be happy to stay away from the landmine because it could be one of those that could either have equal picks on both sides in the top five or just a lot of picks on each side. So I agree. Let's pass. That's that's a really good thought. I, I can almost guarantee that one of these sides or both is going to be in the top five. Yeah, for sure. Okay, moving on to the 425 window. Seattle Seahawks going on the road to the L.A. Rams, another big COVID game here. And the Rams are listed as four-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Yeah. I mean, look, it's it's a letdown spot for the Rams, right? They they went in and they, they beat the Cardinals. And it wasn't handily, but they, they controlled that game. And Seattle, I mean, there's, they have a heartbeat in the playoffs somehow. <laughs> but isn't it? Isn't there a matchup advantage traditionally with these teams? Aren't the Rams dominant over Seattle? Yeah, I was just looking it up. I think you nailed it. I always forget which one's which, but I do think it's McVay that has the edge over Seattle in this one. They did win both game, uh, the previous game this year, laying yep. two and a half on the road, 26-17, and then they covered last year on the road as well, plus three. The time before that, Seattle won, and then it's Rams, Rams, Rams. So yeah. one out of the last six meetings, the Seahawks covered in this game. And uh, I, has more career sacks against Russell Wilson than any other quarterback in the. Uh, I believe that. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's a it's not a great number, um, mm-hmm. but I think the Rams are the right side. Maybe Seattle's one out of their ass. I'm, I'm not sure. What are your thoughts? I think uh, it's tough because of the COVID news. Obviously, with the Rams, they've lost OBJ. Sure. Jalen Ramsey presumably is going to be back this week after missing out on Monday night. Um, but who's to say what more names could be added to this list between now and Saturday? I think it's one that we probably monitor. Yeah. And I would consider putting in the Rams late on because I do think that they're the superior team. and. Um, and I just wouldn't be happy to fade Seattle again. I think it's an offense that doesn't have much going for it. Right, right. I agree. Okay. All right, moving on to Sunday Night Football. We've got another big divisional clash where the New Orleans Saints are going on the road to Tampa Bay this time, and the Bucks are laying 11 points. Wow. Well, it's, you know, the Bucks have, I mean, the uh, Saints have owned this matchup. We've talked about this before. I don't know if I feel that way in this game uh, because the Bucks at home are great. <clears throat> and I don't know about New Orleans. I know that last week, of course, New Orleans beat up on the Jets. They did get Kamara back. He looked good. He'll play pretty well. 11 is a huge number. I, I, I can't lay it with Tampa, but I don't think I can back the Saints either. I'd happily pass this game. Yeah, I agree. I think you nailed it right there. The Saints have – had Tom Brady in Tampa's number. They've beat him in the last three straight regular season games. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty evident to me that they have some sort of matchup edge, small that it may be defensively. But uh, on the other side, you've got Taysom Hill, and I'm not sure that I'm interested in backing him against the Bucks right now. 
So I think it's a pass for Sunday Night Football. And I will say that Tampa on defense last week in the first half, I mean, they played outstanding, um, but they got tired. And yeah. I don't know if Taysom Hill can do what Josh Allen did last week because Josh Allen had an incredible half end game. But I just don't think Hill has the, you know, the acumen and the arm to get it done passing the ball. And that's what he's going to have to do. And, um, yeah, definitely stay away or box basically for me. Yeah, you're right. That's a great point. The Bucks are certainly going to load the box and make Taysom Hill throw it on them. That's right. I don't have no interest in signing up for that. <laughs> okay, uh, Monday Night Football, uh, NFC North Divisional Clash with the Minnesota Vikings going on the road to Chicago and laying a road number of three and a half just above the field goal. I mean, thank thank you, Phil, for putting the Bears in primetime two weeks in a row so I could see other yeah. games on Sunday. Um, God. I mean, look, the Bears played probably the best half offensively of football against Green Bay on, on Sunday, and then promptly, you know, you know, we can talk about Nagy when he gets fired in a week or two. I mean, he just didn't have the stones to go for fourth down a couple times. They had a chance in the game, and for some reason the Packers couldn't stop him. I'm not sure why. Plus, they gave up the kick return and stuff. But, look, the Vikings traditionally struggle in Chicago. It's it's historically we never win here. But True. Vikings are in the playoff hunt. The Bears aren't. Three and a half is a terrible number, but Vikings are going to win this football game. Yeah, I think the Vikings are going to win, too. I, in fact, uh, it's funny. I was looking earlier, and I saw a couple of spreads at, like, five and a half. So <laughs> it looks like the numbers moved a little bit already since the – contest line yes. came out i've got it at five and a half at rivers that's right yeah so and that's just <laughs> that's a matter of like six or seven hours yeah. so could be some sort of news there or just curious that the circuit contest operators chose three and a half on this game but um I, you know dalvin cook was awesome last week i was supremely impressed when he came back i had I was very nervous about putting him into my fantasy lineup and he just torched the Steelers. So uh, I think that the Don't Vikings... Don't okay about the decision? Uh, afterward, I, I started him, thankfully. So, uh, yeah, that was awesome. But uh, I think that I think that the Vikings offense are going to be primed to put up some big numbers in Chicago on Monday night, save for some crazy weather. And uh, on the other side... I, you know, I think that the Vikings defense should be able to stop Justin Fields and company. So, I mean, the, the Bears were really aided by the worst special teams play that the Packers had in that first half. I think the number looked a lot better than it did because of those yeah, special teams. Yeah, I agree. Um, special teams is not a not a forte of the Packers uh, coaching staff. So, no, I think it just boils down to the Vikings are still in the mix. And, um, you know, I just think they're going to be motivated to keep winning. And, and this is a good one. So. I don't know if I'm back in the contest. It's up to you. I mean, there's a certain value compared to the market, but we maybe review it again Saturday morning. Yeah. Yeah, I think we call it a yellow for now. Three and a half, obviously, is not the best number, but when you look at the current market, it appears to be some value. So like, we can talk about it some like, more. So with the news, the, there may be some sort of news. It looks like we're in the favorite that. market again this week, buddy. <laughs> I suffered Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I was kind of hoping we'd line up on the side of underdogs, but... Let's recap the lakes here. We've got the Indianapolis Colts as a two-point favorite, highlighted green here. Buffalo's laying 10.5 against Carolina at home as a potential. The Cowboys on the road laying 10.5 to the Giants 
the Packers on the road laying five and a half at Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers as a pick half underdog. Detroit Lions at home against Arizona catching 12 and a half. We both liked the Niners at home against the Falcons laying nine and a half. The Rams are a play de- depending on COVID cases at four and a half. And then the Vikings on Monday Night Football at three and a half on the road. Wow. So a whole slew of options to talk about on Saturday morning. That's a homework to do. Yeah, I got some homework. And, and like you said, COVID is a big factor. But also, you know, let's just figure out where we're going to sit with some of these contests. And we'll talk a minute on the contest itself. But we're, we're making moves. But in order to get all the way up, we got to definitely stay out of the top five. Which we successfully did. And, you know, it was, I'm telling you, if freaking Browns, I mean, we would have gone four and one in the contest. Everybody else would have gone one and four. So, yeah. You know, we made up some ground on the field, but as you can see, as you review, the, the top guys were not as close as I had hoped to, to get. Yeah, the uh, number one player is at a remarkable 51 and 19, almost 73%. Mm. And the top 50 is now at 45 and 24, 65%. We had a three and two week, which puts us at 39, 30 and one. Uh, so, uh, six games off of the money, it looks like, mm-hmm. and tied for 729th base. So certainly within striking distance still. Yeah. And I put down that if we can, I mean, this is my calculations, my, you know, put it in the noodle, figure it out. If we can, you know, 15 and a half, that's 15, four and one, actually, no pressure. But if we can do that over four weeks, I think we can get the money. Um, you know, the guy at the top, even five and all last week, I mean, that's, that's how good he did. So good for them. And, you know, the field of the top 50, which is what we care about, they did like us. They were three and two. So, you know, if we get some fourth ones going, I think we got a real shot here. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to pick the right ones. And, you know, look, we're not perfect, but we were on the right side of all the Cardinals game, basically. So we were on the right track. And if you listen to all of our picks, we were, we were, we had a good week last week. It was a very good week. That Browns game, Tony Stelg, and then the Cardinals dropping that on Monday night didn't help either. But optimistic, we'll get a four and one, five and zero oh here in the next couple of weeks, and be right back on track, feeling good about the home stretch. For sure, for sure. Well, thanks for driving us today, Action. I mean, you did a great job, and um, hopefully everybody recognizes his talents. He's not just a an engineer, <laughs> a number crunch guy. He could be a host as well. So thank you for stepping into this. You know, I'm on the, I'm on like the day to day for the voice right now. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I didn't drive this thing off a cliff. No, you did great. You did great. Well, hey, follow me at Wexpool on Twitter and Instagram, and follow us at Side Action Pod on uh, Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter at 31s Roberts. All right, everybody, good luck. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts 
associates, or guests will not guarantee any advice given. The opinions and advice given on the Side Action Podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Intro and outro and transition music credits. Song titles, Jerry 5 and District 4 by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.org. License under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. CreativeCommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0.